A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Corner kick in towards the centre of the penalty area. Came with a header. It's half cleared. It falls to Foyt and he tucks it in from a yard out. Led in by Robertson. Great ball. Shakiri 2-0. Rondon. What a goal for Sullivan Rondon. Powers in the header. Mkhitaryan curls one in. Really good. It's into the far post. It's 1-1. And Arsenal do get the equaliser. Oliver for the shot from the edge of the area. It's deflected. And it finds the bottom corner. The Watford fans go wild. Bernardo Silva crossed by him. Good to end. It's 3-1 City. And that is the goal that surely has won it for them. It's the Premier League preview show for week 13 of the 18-19 season and the hard yards are finally upon us. Thanksgiving is over. The Black Friday brawls have all subsided. Black eyes are being iced and the build-up to Christmas is about to get messy. Seven rounds of Premier League action in just 30 days. By the time Grandma has bought you those socks and you've pretended to like them, we will know who the real challengers are and where, for others, the big challenges lay. I'm the host of the show, Tom Rennie, but who is with me today? Let's say hello to our panel, starting with TalkSport's football editor, dressed very smartly today for the show. Must have a big date later. Maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. It's David Walker. You right, mate? Yeah, you're something of a bit of a sleuth, aren't you? Yeah, well, you've I'm always... Me, you've seen me coming a mile off. Those shoes look very shiny <laughs> to me. They're not the usual trainers. They're really not. Yeah, they say you can tell a lot about a man who buys shoes. Yeah. And I just hope they don't look at my shoes. First date with the future <laughs> Mrs. Walker on Thanksgiving 2018. Let's get to the football, shall we? Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, and let's say hello to our footballers. Uh, first up, David Connolly is back. Former West Ham, Leicester, Feyenoord, Watford striker. You okay, mate? I'm very good, you? You looking forward to hearing about Dave's date later? I am. You look also very smart. Do you so think... maybe you're going on a double date. I am going on a date to night but it's with the wife so you know oh. not as smart as I maybe once would have been casual shoes uh, also with us a man who's been on many a date maybe we'll find out he's a raconteur it's the former Chelsea Fulham Brighton winger Clive Walker you're right mate very good Tom thank you very much great to have you back with us right let's get on to match one let's talk about the 5.30 UK time kickoff on Saturday Tottenham Hotspur up against Chelsea Spurs have won three of their last seven Premier League games against Chelsea as many as they'd won in their previous 49 Chelsea of course still unbeaten in their 12 Premier League games it is still uh, their best start to a season since back in 2014 uh, Chelsea looks like a pretty much clean bill of health for them Eden Hazard played 
basically everything for Belgium during the international break, which I'm sure will frustrate Maurizio Sarri. Uh, Spurs, the big doubt is that Kieran Trippier uh, may well miss this one. Clive, let's come to you first on this. Let's talk about Eden Hazard. Uh, not scored in eight games uh, for club and country. Not a massive crisis, but before that, we're talking about his best ever run of form in the Premier League. Is this back injury a real problem? Is it a continuing problem? I think what's proven over the last uh, couple of weeks with the, the games he's played for Belgium, that the back injury isn't a problem. I think if it had been, I think Maurizio Sarri would have stepped in, said something, maybe accused the Belgian FA of, of not, not looking after him. So I, I guess he's fine. Um, from that point of scoring goals, yes, uh, eight games is, is a lot of games for him at this stage of the season. He's been absolutely terrific, as everybody has seen. And I guess it's maybe not good news for Spurs if he hasn't scored for a while because maybe he's due one and got one coming. Uh, Dave, let's come to you on this as well. David Connolly uh, with, with Chelsea. The start of the season has been great and, and the, the unbeaten run has been great. But is it too reliant on Eden Hazard when he isn't playing, when he isn't on, when he isn't firing? Is anyone else stepping up for them that you've seen? Well, no. I mean, obviously, I, I think they've, they've struggled in midfield, certainly. Look, Ross Barkley, he's not a kid anymore. He's 24, nearly 25. Uh, where they're playing Kante, I think, is not right. I think he's can only play as a defensive midfielder, not as an attacking midfielder. At the minute, Jorginho's got that role. So I think it's having a little bit of an impact you know, further forward. I think, look, he did well to retain Hazard, no doubt, and he's got him on side. Everyone has their little dip, but I guess they're so reliant on him. And they just don't score enough goals. But still, I think they're the third highest scorers in the league, even without a recognised, you know, deadly number nine, uh, like a, you know, a Drogba, who's just retired, or, you know, a Costa. Even without that, they're still up there. And I think, I think he's just trying to get through to January personally and just seeing if they can make another substantial signing look Giroud came last January I'm not saying he was the answer but I think they definitely need a front man to take a little bit of weight off Hazard because Williams not scoring goals mm. Pedro hasn't contributed enough either so uh, and, and and Barkley doesn't score that many so if you think of their goals return it, it's just not enough it's all very doom and gloom Clive all of a sudden they were unbeaten it's, 10 it's, minutes ago we're going to win the league and now it's, it's like do, fifth it's a way of saying doom and gloom for a club that wasn't I guess, expected to be where they are right now. To have gone through the season so far, having been unbeaten, is uh, uh, unusual to this point, but not expected with a new manager coming in. And let's think what they've gone through, different system, players like Kante playing in a different position. I agree, it probably doesn't... It's not getting the best out of Kante, but he's still one of the greatest midfield players around. But the problem is scoring goals for me, and I think you're right, David. I I just think that without Hazard, um, it's a problem. But most of the games have been with Hazard and I think that's why the club are where they are. I was listening to Ben Davies uh, speaking on TalkSport this week and he was he was quite bullish, actually. Maybe as you'd expect him to be. He's not necessarily going to be negative in an interview. But he was asked about this game and what it means for Tottenham's season and kind of everyone's focusing on Man City, on Liverpool and Chelsea being unbeaten. But Tottenham, they're only just behind. Mm. If they get the win at home against Chelsea this week, they're right back in that title race. And those players have been close before and they'll believe that they can be in it. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, we're only, what are we, coming up to late November. Mm. You know, still a long way to go. And we all know that in seasons gone by, teams have shuffled the pack in many ways. And apart from Manchester City, I think everybody would agree City are probably the out-and-out favourites to win. But I think it's all about top four, and I think it's important for Spurs, it's important for, for Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, all these teams want to get into that top four. Man United, if they put in the run, I mean, historically, of course, Man United, going back over the years, the second half of the season, has been very good for them. 
So we will expect changes. We will expect teams to lose the odd game here and there. Um, it's a question of, of, of sustaining this form that Chelsea have been in at the moment, of being unbeaten. I think that's an important factor for Maurizio Sarri. And I think keeping players like Eden Hazard fit is massive for them. I just wonder as well, if they'd have maybe had Kante in his normal role, would they have conceded stoppage time goals to Liverpool, for example, and Manu? They might have actually come out with, with more points. So, and talking about Hazard, you know, why didn't they retain his brother? He's on fire at the minute. He scored loads of goals. I think he's got 10 and 12 from Munchen Gladbach. It would have been another option. So I still think they could be doing better with actually, you know, uh, maybe Kante in a bit more of a defensive role and some players, maybe even Torgan, maybe staying at the club. Yeah, and the trouble is with playing Kante in a, in a different role, Mauricio Sarri, when he came in, wanted Jorginho. He yeah. wanted that man in that position and he was going to play 4-3-3. So the others had to fit in. And I think we always think that great players, world-class players can adapt, can change, can get uh, better in, in different positions. Kante's taken a long time to do that, although he's, he's such an asset to the team, but it's not getting the best out of him. But maybe it's getting the best out of Jorginho. Well, look, there's no doubt Pep wanted him, didn't he, at City. But City just have Fernandinho as that one holder. Then obviously they've got the two Silvers playing a little bit more advanced, so it could be Gundogan, for example, who are naturally inclined to play that way. Kante's role is to break things up, intercept, make tackles. They're all down this season. I, I just think he needs either yeah. to play a more attacking-minded midfield player, um, but I, I just don't think Tottenham are going to give up those spaces anyway. Can I ask you a question about Chelsea's squad? I was seeing some quotes this week relating to an article about Danny Drinkwater, the missing man of Premier League football, who's, what, the 26th choice of a 25-man squad right now for Chelsea. Uh, and in the interview, or in the article, they had some quotes from Emanuele Giaccherini, who played under Maurizio Sarri at Napoli. And he said about Maurizio Sarri, didn't get on very well, and he said that Sarri knows how to look after 14 players. And he'll look after those 14 players all season fantastically well and they'll be his guys. He doesn't know how to operate a big squad because he was on the outside of that and never really got a look in at Napoli. And I'm thinking about Drinkwater, but also Gary Kay. He'll be in link with the move away to Milan. I'm thinking about maybe Olivier Giroud. If Morata plays, maybe we won't see any more of him. And those other midfielders. I mean, we mentioned Ross Barkley's coming from the cold. Drinkwater continues to live there. Uh, Davide Zabacosta's getting no minutes. You know, he's useless, but he is in the squad, but he's not playing football. And even in the Europa League... He don't really change that much, does he? And that might affect Chelsea moving forward. Um, well, just on that point on the Europa League, they've made eight changes for mm. the it's games. Not, not that I mean, many. Not like many the same faces. 11, Hazard is so, still there. Giroud is still there. Mm, yeah, Ross Barkley still there. I, I think from keepers the same. From from looking after more than fourteen players, I think only time will tell. And I think transfer windows, like the one that's coming up in January, will tell us or, or give us a better insight into. Um, into Maurizio Sarri's thoughts and, and the players that are not playing games. You know, we obviously heard the, the rumours about Gary Cale, etc. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, this guy's come in and taken over a squad. He's only added a couple of players. You know, he's brought Ross Barkley back to the brink, possibly, and maybe pushing on. We'll see. So we'll have to wait and see how this next transfer window evolves. Does he bring in more players that he wants? Or does he keep the players he's got and try and maybe make them better or happier, shall we say, if they're outside the, the sort of 12 starting or 14 as it might be? Uh, which one we want to talk a little bit more? Um, David mentioned the question that Ben Davis posed and, and how he thought they could really challenge here and really be a threat to Chelsea. And why not? But maybe why not is the pitch. 
Uh, we heard uh, from Christian Eriksen earlier this week saying that the pitch was substandard. It wasn't even as good as Tottenham's training pitches, I think was the quote he used this week. How much is that going to affect this game, David Conlon? I don't think it'll affect that much, to be honest. Look, their training ground is arguably one of the best in the country anyway. If, if anyone's been there, it's there's just no incredible. NFL games on the training ground. <laughs> That's right. So I, I think there's not a lot they can do about that. Um, what they can affect is how they play against Chelsea. And I think they're definitely going to go with two holding midfield players. I think is probably going to slot in there. Uh, they're going to plug up those gaps. Interesting, though, will be whether Lamella plays. He's been away in Argentina. Mm. Will Eriksen get the nod? So there's a couple of permutations there. Will Mauro play? Will he play out wide? I think he's he's going to bring back in Davison Sanchez to me. He's got to uh, alongside Alderville World. And, and I think he's just going to try and plug. plug. Yeah, they, they said he had a little hamstring problem about, was it four weeks ago now for Sanchez? And he hasn't played that one fourth has been playing. Uh, two own goals one week, the winning goal the next. If he plays, do you think that's that kind of switches it to Chelsea's favour? Well, the only thing I'd say is they've had a long journey with Argentina. I've been away. I think you know they played against Mexico, so the likes of him and Lamella, I'm not too sure they'll be back in the side. I know right. Pochettino, he 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 wants players that are fit, mm. you know, really energetic. I, I just got a feeling that then probably not going to be used. And There's he'll question go, marks he'll over go with those. fitness as well, yeah. isn't there? But an, on, an ongoing mm. issue that we're not, no one's really quite clear about what exactly is going on with him. He's sort of been in and out. Want to move to Real Madrid-itis, I think he might have. The Eden Hazard disease of the last five well, perhaps, years. But I, th- I think it's, Spurs are really interesting to me this season because it seems everyone's quite down about them because of the whole transfer window. They didn't bring anyone in. They, mm. they had a few games where they threw it away in the Champions League and they were up against it. But they're still right there. I think it's a testament to the, to Pochettino, really, that he still manages to get the p- level of performance and the results out of that squad that hasn't really had any significant improvement. Do you think, though, time. they can win the league without buying some people in January with this can, squad? No, no, I don't think they can w- win the league because I, I don't think they're as good as Man City or, or indeed Liverpool. Well, but if they bought three or four players be, in I think, January, I think, think so? I think they'll be right on the coattails and I think they, they could easily win this game on, on Saturday and I think that is about absolute best best performance that they can do and it's all because Bochettino gets it out of them well I think that I think their front unit is is up there with the best but I just feel defensively and and, and in goal you know they've been susceptible this season mm. and that's where you know you look at you look at Liverpool I'm sure we'll come on to but obviously that's where they've strengthened mm. and they've looked really really solid look they might not be scoring as many goals but defensive not giving many away so I, I think at the back is where Tottenham are, are a little bit vulnerable to be honest and also where does it leave them where does it leave Spurs if they get beat you know that's you know in the Arsenal league of battling yeah, for fourth, uh, really. And that's, that's the worry for Spurs fans. I feel, you know, we've seen what Arsenal have done over the last twenty years. Spurs haven't actually won anything yet in recent times. So you're just thinking, what happens? Do they start to think we should have strengthened the squad? We should have brought more players in. We should have got the ground finished. All these things might start adding up in players' heads, and they'll start saying, well, you know, players like Harry Kane. How long can he stay there, scoring the goals that he does, mm. without winning anything? You have know, a look at, have a look at Carl Walker. Yeah, he's had yeah. a good time, hasn't he? Since he's going to win another one probably this year, and you know, be the world's best right back. And won't, and won't they look at? They won't they talk to each other as well? Mm. Wouldn't you know, Harry Kane look lovely in claret and blue? I think we can all. That's what we're all thinking, isn't it? <laughs> Move to a big club like West Ham. We're going to talk West Ham in a little while because they take on Man City this weekend. That's in the next section of the show. But also, Claudio Ranieri's back after eighteen months away. Fulham against Southampton. That's our next two games. Fulham considered a lot of goals, a lot of goals, and I'm an Italian manager. And for us, Italian, it's important to maintain the clean sheet because for us, when uh, you have to play in defensive way, and when I say defensive way, I say from the strikers, okay? It's important to everybody are involved. The same when you 
try to score goals. From the goalkeeper to the others, everybody must be involved in this job. Claudio Ranieri, 18 months away. Dilly ding, dilly dong. He is back in the Premier League. He's taken over uh, from Slavica Jakanovic at Fulham. They take on Southampton this weekend. Turns out you do get sacked after losing at Anfield. Something on the last show we thought would never happen. We thought Jakanovic would get a couple more games. Let's do a few stats for this one because they're all pretty bad. Uh, Fulham have lost their last six Premier League games. They've not lost seven league games in a row since they lost 11 in a row from December 1961 to February 1962. But the Southampton stats ain't much better. All negatives, really. Let's do this one. No side has failed to score in more Premier League games than Southampton this season. Though Fulham, there's a little negative in it, are the only side yet to keep a clean sheet in the competition. So maybe some hope for the Saints this weekend. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about Claudio Ranieri. Let's talk to a former Leicester player about it, David Connolly. Um, of course, the miracle man, the miracle of Leicester, a legendary character in the Premier League. I was asked this week, what manager would I like to invite to my house for Thanksgiving dinner on, on a show in America? And I thought, probably Ranieri. Great stories, great character, probably bring some great wine as well. But Not Harry Redknapp after well, I'm he's a not, celebrity. He's not a current manager, <laughs> but I feel sorry for Sandra's flowers. That's what I feel sorry for. Um, and, but, I mean, it's even made me watch it. It's been weird. Um, but, look, Claudio Ranieri, is that a good appointment for Fulham at this stage? Is, was Jukanovic a bit hard done by? They were quite good at Anfield. Yes, they were. I just feel that, you know, you often see that with managers, they might have a decent sort of result just before they go and uh, that might have been his last one Jukanovic look they shit far too many goals way too expansive underestimated the league overestimated the quality of his players I feel and defensively didn't pay enough attention to the side now Ranieri built his side at Leicester on counter-attacking on being you know diligent defensively you know two midfielders diligent <coughs> move on yep and a um, bit of alliteration there. and um, <laughs> you know obviously had that pace on the counter but the only problem is Fulham don't have that they have got no pace in their side whatsoever. Sherlock, for example, McDonald, Kearney, we could go on. They just don't have the speed that the Leicester side had. Now, look, he wants to get some help up to Mitrovic, which I think he needs desperately because he is a top front man. You know, get the ball in the box, he will score. But, you know, for all their patient possession play, they just defensively, they've had so many changes. I think 12 different back fours in 12 games. What's he going to do? He's got to start at the back and then go and build. What he did at Leicester, actually... It's very, very inherits a completely different situation for Fulham to what he did at Leicester. Because if you remember, Nigel Pearson, they, they had that great escape. And he came into Leicester and he saw a club that was actually in a good place. And a team that was harmonious, playing good football, confident from a good end of the previous season. And he just let them get on with it. He made one significant change, changed from a back three, which they were playing, to a back four. He sorted out the defence, made them a bit tighter, made the fullbacks a bit tighter, but said we're going to play on the counter. But he kind of just let everything go, kept the staff, kept everything the same. He inherits a Fulham side now, which is in a bit of a shambles. He can't keep it the same. He's got to do something different. So it's a completely different challenge, and it'll be very interesting to see what approach he takes. Do we? Do you think, looking back though, now we 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 often speak about the way when teams come up from the Championship, and we can look at both Cardiff and Fulham. Fulham mm. spent over a hundred million. Cardiff spent next to nothing. Yet Fulham find themselves in the worst position this far down down the line. So we look back. I think I look back and we we talk about managers who actually buy the right players who want to fit into their own system. Or is it not the managers buying these players? You know, we we often worry these days about chief executives and owners and who, what influence they have on bringing players in. And as Ikanovic come in and, and said, well, you know, I don't want those players, but you're throwing hundred million at me. I've got to go for it. I've got no choice. And as a manager, he's done his best 
obviously it hasn't worked for him but he might turn around and say well they weren't my pl- I didn't actually want all those players mm. so it's a t- it's a tough ask I think I think it's it's an interesting point you make because I think he wanted that that control that power struggle and he won it I don't know if you remember uh, Klein got got arrested I think at the police were called to the training ground anyway so there was a real battle going on there and it probably turned physical in the end look you kind of actually got Watford up and then he lost his job he's got Fulham up to me he should have learned from the first time around I honestly feel he needed to be more pragmatic and his signings weren't based about what they do without the ball it was all based with the ball and in the Premier League you've got to be so perfect in both boxes and they've just been found wanting so I think I think Ranieri uh, I agree with David he's got he's got a really tough challenge yep. here because I just don't see where they're going to change it and in the Premier League you need pace and they've just got none in their side whatsoever apart from Sessignon possibly yeah. that's about it I think it's interesting with, with Fulham you mentioned Cardiff earlier Clive I think I'd rather be Fulham than Cardiff because Eventually, it will come to a stage this season where you can score goals, you get forward and you can win games. Now, I can't see Cardiff doing that. I think if Fulham were 2-0 down in a must-win game, they would just bomb all these talents forward. And I think about Kearney, I think about Sessegnon, I think about Mitrovic and a few others. They can score goals. It hasn't worked so far, but I think if they get a bit more aggressive, it might work. Listen, they've got to move on to the, the team they're, they're playing. And the reason I kind of mention these players is that Shane Long, uh, can he score anymore? I don't know. He's a major doubt for this one. Danny Ings probably going to be out. Lamina is out. Southampton, I think, are going to be in more trouble than Fulham in the long run because they don't have people who can score goals. The stats back that up, and mind you, even when they score good goals, they get disallowed these days. Where is that VAR? Have we got it yet? Charlie Austin changed the world, didn't he? Uh, I'm still very worried about Southampton. I can't see how they score a goal, even against this Fulham defence. I think if you look at the teams that first and foremost came up and Southampton, you look at the way Southampton have played this season so far, it looks like they're the team in danger of slipping out of the league. Um... I, sh- I should think Mark Hughes is racking his brains how he can bring the right sort of players in. But there just doesn't seem to be anything about Southampton that suggests they're going to stop leaking goals, they're going to score more goals, and they're going to win matches. And It's a worry. I agree with you regarding Fulham. Fulham can score goals. They can create. Um, they can leak. But they're wide open, Fulham, for me. Southampton a little bit tighter. And I think it's going to take this sort of game for Fulham at home to make a difference because I think they can then really dominate Southampton, go at Southampton non-stop, keep going at them and try and break the deadlock. Once they do that, I think they can go on Fulham. But Southampton will be solid, but that's about it. There's Mm. nothing else that suggests they're going to... I can't see them winning the game, Southampton. I think, look, they've made so many changes. Obviously, the vice chairman's gone, technical director's gone. You know who's next, I think, and and that's Mark Hughes. Mm. I just can't see the slide... Stopping, he's got the worst win ratio. I think of the last five managers, twenty percent. Um, and when things aren't going your way, as was just before the international break with the disallowed goal, it just seems it's never going to change for them. I, I agree with you. I've got big worries for them. And also, Yoshida was offside. Let's not get into it though. Um, I would say as well briefly on Southampton. If you're looking at making that managerial change, I look at Southampton. I see West Ham from last year. I would be on the phone to old Moisey right now and say, you get these guys running a little bit more. They don't look fit enough. They don't look sharp enough. They don't work hard enough. I think those are the biggest problems. Uh, Let's move on to West Ham of this year. Uh, Up against Man City this weekend, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. One of them games where I wouldn't play an Altovic. Anyone who's kind of got a bit of a knock, I wouldn't bother playing them. Let's think about next week. Write it off completely. Write it off. I'd give Andy Carroll half hour, Jack Wilshere an hour, until until you're not fit enough. There's no point taking on Man City. Their record against Man City is appalling. West Ham have lost three meetings with City at London Stadium, FA Cup as well, scored one, 
conceded 13. They're so much better than where West Ham are. West Ham have got all these injury problems and players coming back. I just, I just give three 0 loss. Take it. Move on. Wolves got a draw against Man City this season. Yeah, but Wolves are a kind of fast-moving. You only lost football one team in the last minute. You yeah, but they know, were you, you were at the game. That. They were thoroughly outplayed yeah, the entire game. You can't have that attitude. Though. You can't just write it off. It's the exact attitude I've got, Dave. I would. I mean, why not? Anatovic had this knee problem for ages and ages. The season relies on Anatovic and Anderson being fit going forward. Defence looks right, actually, to be fair. Why not say to Marco Anatovic, take the week off, rest your knee, we'll play you next week. It's a write-off, isn't it, Clive? I think it's a very, very fine line in what the manager, how the manager comes out with the information about Arnautovic. You know, if he's genuinely not fit, well, don't play him. I mean, mm. I, I, there's no doubt about that. If he's one of those players, well, if you play him and it makes the injury worse, then don't play him. But if he feels he can get through it and he'll be fine, you know, you, it's a fine line. And if the fans get to feel that the manager selecting games to win or lose or, or give up, it's a dangerous thing to play, I think, with fans. I think we've heard a lot of voices coming from the West Ham fans over the last couple of seasons. I don't think they'd be frightened on voicing their opinion if the manager's making games selective because then they will select games to come and watch and, and I wouldn't blame them either. They do select games to come and watch, don't they? Judging by the stance. I mean, yes, uh, this would be one I think they want to go and see. City are just in such great form. Who wouldn't want to go and see them? But I've got a feeling I that... I don't. I've got a feeling, yes, that this will be a cricket score unless they do something different. Now, I know they've played a back three before and it hasn't worked at West Ham, but mm. the two fullbacks for me aren't really cutting the mustard at the minute, whether it's, it could be Fredericks or it could well, be. Well, Fredericks injured, Masuaka, so it's got to be Zabaleta, Zabaleta. And the left back's been terrible. Exactly. So, they change him every week. That's right. So uh, maybe going to a back three, and you mentioned Wolves. You know, Wolves played a back three against them. I was at the game up at Molyneux and they did it really, really well. Let them have the ball, concede the spaces, you know, make sure they don't, don't come through the middle of you. But Wolves have a bit of pace to hit them on the counter. If you don't play an out of it, I don't really see that West Ham have anything up top. To mm. me, he's a top four player. And Alter, he could play for any of those top four teams, in my opinion. Yeah, if he scored more goals, he might do. Uh, I think he just wants another contract, to be honest. But he's a one in five. Yeah, one in five is already what Man United have got and everyone else has got better. So briefly on Man City, a few injury problems. Uh, Mendy picking up that knee injury. Um, was it last game before the international break? Missed the national break and he'd be out for a little while. That's a big blow again, isn't it, for, for Man City? To, not for, for this game. I think, you know, forget about this game. Let's talk about the next few weeks for Man City, the toughest part of the season. Games, games, games. And, and you're looking at Fabian Delph again. Yeah, but here you're looking at a team that can cope with uh, resting a player if he's got a bit of a knock or, or a definite injury, he can leave him out for a few weeks. This is a squad that is quite capable of filling the gaps. I mean, no disrespect to who they're playing, they could be playing anybody and yeah. Fabian Delph could play left back and get away with it because the, the way that City play is just awesome. It's just fabulous to watch. And I think everybody would say, how do you contain them? And a couple of injuries... I don't see as it bothers them at all. It's not a big problem, no, you're right. And they, they won the league last year at a canter with Delft playing a lot of games in that position. However, I did see a few times, particularly early on, so he might have adapted more and be a bit more experienced in that role now. But early on, that was a little chink, a little chink in the armour. Mm. And if West Ham played Dean Garner down the right-hand side and yeah. he has a good day against Delft and he gets him out of position, gets him a bit ruffled, you know, you're clutching at straws, but that, that's something as a manager you'd, you'd look at to attack the opponent's weaknesses, right? And that would be I one. admire your clutching. I really do. I'm not positive by it, but I, I'm very much in admiring it. Uh, and one final question before we've got to move on. Who's next in the get everyone from 2011 Man City to West Ham as soon as possible? We've got Pellegrini, the Zabaleta, Nasri's training with the club. Who can we get next? Who's still good? Uh, De Jong? Can we get him? He could make it. 
Mull over some of that team. We get them in. I can't think of anyone who played for them. Do you them. want them? Well, we'll probably get them. <laughs> They're just assembling the old band. It's weird, isn't it? It's a little bit like a few years ago, Alan Kerbishley was there, and I'm pretty sure he had a Panini sticker album from eight years ago and got <laughs> Freddie Lundberg in. And now the Pellegrini's like, who'd you have last time? Can we get them? I got the same agent. In seven years, we'll have a Guerrero. That's check, amazing. Check on, the, check on the agents. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on, uh, and let's not talk about West Ham until next week. It doesn't matter. Let's talk Watford next, up against Liverpool. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. And then from one end to the other, it's Salah into the penalty area. Mo Salah, keeper to Bates, Liverpool leads. Near post, great back to goal, plays it back to the corner. First touch is a little heavy, the clearance isn't good, comes in to Hollywood, drills it in, deflection, it's 1 1. Watford back in. Right, Watford up against Liverpool, 3 o'clock on Saturday UK time. Watford have won five of their last seven Premier League home games. United and Bournemouth victorious at Vicarage Road this season. Liverpool looking to remain unbeaten in their opening 13 matches to a season for the first time since 2007. Uh, Watford, few injury doubts for this one. Will Hughes came off in the last game, I think, for Troy Deeney and uh, he's still a doubt for this one. Uh, Everyone else, as you were, you expect them to be out, the likes of Prodo and Tom Cleverley. For Liverpool, it's it's almost a clean bill of health, again, apart from the players that you would have expected to be out for this one. The front three should be there, the back four should be there. Uh, Midfield kind of chops and changes. Uh, Watford, David Walker, let's come to you first on this. Um, they've had a good run at home. They were unlucky, I thought, against uh, Man U as well. The Bournemouth game was a whole anomalous situation, uh, which we've spoken about before. What did they do to counteract what Liverpool had got this weekend? Well, the coach, Javi Gracia, his reputation in Spain was that of a manager who could go to the big clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, and give them something to think about. He got a few good results as Malaga manager against those big teams. And and he's done the same so far for Watford. We narrowly lost to Man United, but very came very close to, to mm. getting a point. Comfortably beat Spurs against Arsenal right in that game till till the 80th minute. Um, so I think this won't be an easy game for Liverpool. I think they probably may just edge it, you know, because they've, they've got vastly superior players. But I think Gracia will come up with something, a, a plan to, to to nullify Liverpool as much as he can. 
and we, we've shown that the atmosphere is good at Vicarage Road. If we get a goal and we, we get the crowd up and the players are up for it, it's not impossible. Do the Watford fans like the new John Lewis ad, just because Elton John's in it? Not very good, is it? Well, well, yeah, of course we do. We love Elton. <laughs> yeah. We've got the lyrics on the back of the stand. I know, yeah, it's funny. Uh, that is funny. Someone get me some black paint. Um, let's talk about the way they played, though, David Connolly. Uh, last time against Southampton, you know, should have had a penalty and all that, but really Southampton had the game won with, with that goal that should have stood. But I thought it was interesting that Will Hughes got injured in that game and Troy Deeney came on and, and suddenly Watford looked right up for the fight, which... Maybe in some away games. I know it's a home game. But it's going to feel like an away game, this, because they won't have that much of the ball. Deeney made a difference. Would you would you bring him back into the starting eleven for this? Well, it's interesting because I, I think you've you got to let Liverpool have the wide spaces. You can't allow anything inside. And actually, I think the formation from Watford will suit that in terms of their very narrow and compact Watford. They almost have a play of a 2-2-2 straight down the middle. And I think that'll be arguably the best chance of getting a result here you you can't let Firmino for example who comes on the inside Salah comes in the inside you can't let them afford any space you've just got to kill it and I think the formation from Watford I think Gratia look he's done a really good job he's, I think he might be the only manager about to get a new contract he is, yeah. in, in, in all that time under the Pozzo so I think this will be a, a really good game but I would go back to Liverpool and I'd say did they make the best piece of transfer business by selling Coutinho, 142 million, mm. enabled them to bring in Van Dijk for about 75, a goalkeeper, and they've never looked back. Yeah, I think that's that's, uh, that's good business. It's great business. Um, but it's going to be tough. This I, I, I want to ask you, Clive, about this because obviously you're a Chelsea man, Chelsea legend. He loves those blues. But from a Premier League perspective, we kind of need Liverpool to win this, don't we? Like we kind of need Liverpool to keep winning. Because we're getting to, as I say, these seven games in 30-odd days, give or take, for, for the fixtures, whatever, the dates they are. Um, if Liverpool to lose this game, this is a big chance they might lose this. Watford can beat anyone on their day at home, Bar City, like everyone else. You sporting, uh, sporting Liverpool for this one, for the hope of the Premier League, for the dreams, for the season, for the entertainment value? You, you've asked the wrong man there, Tom, for sure. No, I, I mean, you know, you're, you, know, uh, while you, there's, you, you while can there's get a, back on that fence. While there's an opportunity for, for Chelsea to carry on and win the league, I'm going to hang on in there and hope they can get above Liverpool at least and pre- pressurise Man City. I agree that I think if you're looking from the outside looking in to this game and being a neutral, this would be a game that you'd think that Liverpool could possibly lose, Liverpool could possibly struggle. If Watford get off to to a fly and start the fans, it's not the easiest ground, as David said, it's not the easiest ground to play at. Um, they they have you on edge, the Watford fans. You know they're, they're a great set of fans, so if they can get behind the side. Get Liverpool slightly on the back foot and get off to a good start, Watford. They've got a chance. Um, Liverpool have got to have an under-par day as well. I think we know what they've, they've been They've had like. a few, haven't they? They were under-par against they Fulham. Had a few they should have lost and that, got, I think. And they've got away with it in a couple of games. So so we'll see how they come back from an international break. Of course, we, we're always a little bit wary of these international breaks. When the players come back, sometimes, same same with Chelsea in a way, when, I, when I've watched them, they're not firing on all cylinders. So maybe if... Watford can get Liverpool just on the back foot a bit and get at them. They might be able to get some sort of result. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised, Saturday now, if the game was a draw. I think also added to that, last season Liverpool were conceding basically a goal a game. But now it's less than half that. So that 3-3 from last season, I don't see nah. a, a replica of that. No, no, so no. this is going to be, a, I think, a low-scoring affair, certainly for Watford, because um, Liverpool just aren't giving up the goals. One thing just to, to note for Watford... Uh, it might be too early this weekend, but uh, last night as we record this, we've finally been given permission for Alberto Peñaranda 
to have a work permit and play football in this country. He's a young Venezuelan attacker who's been at the club for two years and they've been learning him out and they've been really excited about him. There's talk that he's like the next big Pozzo player that could go on to a big club, even better than Richarlison. And he's finally eligible to play now. So he's been training, he's, he's fit. He played against England in the Under-20 World Cup last summer and scored, I think he was a top scorer in that tournament. So I don't know if he, he might make a little appearance off the bench. What's his name again? Say it again. Adalberto Peñaranda. Just one more time. You heard it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Get used to that one, commentators. Uh, Let's hope we see him. I'm very excited. Dave's little eyes lit up there, didn't they? Um, I wish Watford would do music after goals, like the rubbish clubs, like Millwall do. Imagine that. You score a goal and you can tell everybody. Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) You should start doing it. Uh, Right, let's move on uh, to Man United up against Crystal Palace. We had a great story about Alexis Sanchez this week. I've got to apologise. I can't recall recall where I read it now. It was like a Manchester United blog about Alexis Sanchez, is he going to start up front this weekend, will be the question in the end, so think about that. But basically, he is unpopular in the dressing room. He's unpopular with the staff, and it seems the players don't like him. So says this Man United blog that I read this week. Um, and there apparently... There a big splash in the Times about it. This might, yeah, I think this might be where they got it from. Yeah. Um, but anyway... The story basically is that he sits next to the fridge in the dressing room. And because he sits next to the fridge in the dressing room, he says, I don't like the draft on my legs. I don't like it in this spot. And so he went out to training and came back. And the staff were so annoyed with him, apparently, they moved the fridge directly in front of his face and said, get on with it, Alexis Sanchez, the highest paid player. I don't know if it's true. I read it. may have been the Times article that I got from another blog. But anyway, I thought that was quite interesting, uh, Alexis Sanchez. But he's been playing up front last few games, played up front against Juventus, did a lot of work. Uh, Paul Parker was here a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, he'd done the job, wasn't amazing, but, you know, he, he kind of worked in that game. Lukaku, Sanchez, Clive Walker, who starts up front this weekend against Palace. <laughs> It's a th- strange thing about Sanchez is that, you know, when we when we saw him at Arsenal, we thought, well, you know, th- this guy could, should be winning things, you know, and without, you know, if he can't win them at Arsenal, go on to a, a club that will give him something a little bit more. But for some reason, something's gone wrong with him. Um, I think from, from inside uh, a football dressing room, I don't think a fridge would bother you, but from inside a, a football <laughs> dressing room, you you've got to get on with your teammates, and I think whatever whatever he does with the rest of the staff uh, around the football club, he's got to be part of that team. He's got to be involved in that in the jokes and the laughter and the banter that goes on in the dressing room. Sometimes the criticisms as well, but there seems to be something that, that suggests that maybe he's on the periphery of that, and he's never really got himself totally involved with the other players. And being uh, a big name, a big highly paid player. Sometimes some of the other players might look over their shoulder and say, well, you, you're not pulling your weight. I think he has stepped up his work rate since the beginning of the season. I think he's got slightly more involved in that. Someone whispered in his ear, which shouldn't be a difficult thing, to be honest. Um, he should be working harder. Will he start up front? Well, again, Jose Mourinho knows what he thinks is his best side. I don't think he's had that yet. I don't think he knows... Total, or he's convinced what his best side is. And if he starts changing things around with Lukaku and Sanchez now, some might suggest it's a little bit desperate. I think come the new year, when he's done a transfer window and maybe things have changed there, that might be a time when he might change it. I think that any forward needs confidence from their manager. And uh, look, Rashford seems completely devoid of it. He goes over England, he seems like a bag of tricks. He's got yeah. loads of confidence for United. It's the polar opposite. And actually, I just wonder, another player that Mourinho, I think, has made an error on. Obviously, we, we all know about Salah. We know about De Bruyne, for example. But he let Memphis Depay go. And I don't know if you've seen him of late. He's now converted forward for Holland. 
playing as a false nine. And he's doing a magnificent job. Mm. Um, he really, really is. Obviously, he's scoring goals for fun at Leon. For, for Holland, he's been superb. Ronald Koeman's thought, you know what? Okay, you're good out wide, but actually through the middle, you're even better. And I think they've just missed a trick because I don't know what other options they've got. Their midfield is so slow. Herrera, Matic, Fellaini. I mean, they've got no athleticism. Did you see that story that apparently, this came out, I think, before the international break, that some Man United players had been petitioning Mourinho to drop Matic, saying, why is Matic playing every game? Because he's been playing so poorly. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I don't think you can play, for example, a Matic and Fellaini and a Herrera in the same midfield. I think they're too pedestrian. They're too similar in how they play. Um, I think Matic by himself, fine, but I don't think you need all three of them in there. Compared to United teams of old, for me, they just don't have enough dynamism. Um, and I think Marino's made some really big errors, especially his selection and, and his signing. You'd expect them to win this game, though, wouldn't you, against the Crystal Palace team who are quite badly out of form, wow. can't score a goal for love nor money. But the, the problem is there's just no, there's no margin for error whatsoever. You, you have to win these games. They're 12 points behind Man City. They were embarrassed against Man City last time out. It was it was 3-1 in the end, but they you know it could have been much more. Well, they, they had got, they've got to win. What do they have? I think 80... 7% possession City in the first 10 minutes mm. I mean United haven't had the ball in a lot of the games that they played look they haven't beaten Wolves they haven't beaten Brighton lost to Derby you know uh, West Ham but I think I think I, I wouldn't say that this is a home banker at all but Man United are not the team that we've all sort of grown up to know mm. and see and perform under the likes of Alex Ferguson it's, it's not the Man United of old They've probably been through more transitions with Jose Mourinho than, than any other manager they've had in, in history. He will change things around time and time and time again until he feels he's getting it right. They're not far off, but they're, not the, they're nowhere near there, mm. if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, there's something about them that says it, there's an element to Man United that will always be there. But I don't think any of the other teams are particularly scared of them anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, they've got some injuries at the moment. Rashford's a doubt. Baye's a doubt. Martial is a bit of a doubt for this weekend. Got a groin problem. Fellaini, Lukaku, Pogba. I mean, mm. the excuses are already there. And weirdly, I was reading that Chris Smalling might be getting offered a new contract at Man United. Isn't he the problem? It's weird, isn't it? Like, the defence is the issue, and they're looking at uh, keeping Well, according him. to the manager, the defenders have been the problem this season. Every opportunity he's, he's had, he's had a go at his, as his central defenders. But mm. just, on, just on Palace, I mean... Yeah. They, they are, they're in terrible form. We know their problems with Benteke and the rest of the strikers aren't good enough. But will, will this game maybe suit them? Pace of Zaha on the break? I mean, it depends know? if Zaha plays. Yeah. I, I did the Tottenham game before international break. It was horrible weather at Sellers Park. But let me tell you, it was the worst game of the season by a huge, huge margin. Uh, Palace couldn't get forward. Alexander Serlot, I mean, he looks like he's on work experience. What's he doing in this league? It, it makes no sense to me. Gets through on the goalkeeper and was like, just hit it! Just hit it! I mean, it was just weird. Uh, and defensively, Saka is out Tomkins a doubt that's their best pairing yeah, they might both be, be tough, missing yeah. Wan-Bissaka is a doubt he's got a shoulder problem and Zahar that hamstring problem continues so basically the first choice back four and the only player worth a damn going forward might not play yeah the only thing you say is this is not the United team of old I think they're, 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 if, if at any time you wanted to face a United side I think it would be now yeah. uh, good luck Crystal Palace yeah, well, uh, they've got nothing to lose though Palace have they you know and if, you, if Zahar's fit and plays that's all they'll do. They'll defend and defend and defend and just give it to Sarr and see if he can produce Keep your something. fingers crossed. And you never know from a Palace perspective. They have got nothing to lose. I mean, it hasn't worked since 1991, the last time they managed to beat Man United. Uh, and the last time they won at Old Trafford. Anybody? 1989. Mark Bright scoring a brace in that game. Everyone nodding like they knew. Don't pretend you knew that one. Uh, right, let's move on. Plenty more to get through. What about Arsenal? Are they any good? 
up against Bournemouth this weekend. Fraser to deliver the corner from that far side, the left, and it's in! It's a wonderful scooping header from Jefferson Lerma. He scores for Bournemouth, who give themselves a lifeline in first half stoppage time. Wolves defending really well here. Corner's been taken quickly. Mkhitaryan curls one in, really good, and it's into the far post, it's 1-1, and Arsenal do get the equaliser. Right, Bournemouth up against Arsenal, 1.30 UK time on Sunday. Bournemouth lost their last home Premier League match against Man United, had not lost consecutive games at Dean Court since August 2017. The Gunners have scored more goals via subs this season than any other team. That is seven, six of their last ten have come from the bench. The player that's often done that is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He is likely to be out this weekend. And there's also some doubts about Alexandra Lacazette as well, who's got a groin problem, though he's likely to play. Of course, Danny Welbeck is going to miss this one uh, with that broken ankle that he's currently got. Um, Clive Walker, Arsenal, the run of wins, the run of form, did that mask the fact that Arsenal are still a long way off challenging the Champions League? We heard this week the goal is for Emery to get back in the Champions League. Um, where are they, Arsenal, from what you've seen? Of course, they, they've, they've been drawing games recently as opposed yeah, to winning. They've been on a, on a bit of a run, haven't they? But I think from the... The emphasis again in the the Champions League is the same for the top, should we say, top six teams. Anyway, they're all challenging for that. Losing twenty five million per season, apparently. But they've they've gone through again as Man United did with Alex Ferguson. Now they've gone through a, a period with a new manager, Unai Emery, that that you know has got some belief. I think you know I think the Arsenal fans will be happy. I think when you saw United get rid of Ferguson after many many years, mm. I don't think David Moyes was given that belief by the Man United fans that Unai Emery has been given. So. I think it's a question of hanging on in there for Arsenal. I think they can hang on to the coattails of the top four as best they possibly can as the season progresses and see what happens sort of second half. I don't think there's any sort of way they can push and be strong for that position, but I think they've got to believe that if one of the teams slips up, they might be the team that, that jumps in there. And I guess from their point of view, hopefully from them, it's Tottenham. I think this is a really important game for Arsenal. It's a tricky one as well. Bournemouth, the, the one place behind them in the table, four mm. points back, but they'd be really impressive this season, Bournemouth. Not as many internationals as Arsenal, so they probably you know, won't have had all the travelling and everything that the Arsenal players have had. But if Arsenal were to lose this match and Tottenham get a result against Chelsea, you go into the North London derby next weekend, and there's a big gap. Mm. With the, old, the old mind the gap thing will be, will be coming out left, <laughs> right and centre. But if, if they can keep level pegging next, next week, they've got the opportunity to go above Tottenham. Yeah, I just think as well the Europa League's having an impact on them, a bit like Chelsea. You know, both sides played on the Thursday, then they came back to the league form, both got a draw, slow starters. I think only only Cardiff have got uh, haven't been ahead at half time, I think, in the Premier League. Just Cardiff and Arsenal, that is it. So they're traditionally slow starters. Look, they've got the, the strength and depth, we know that. You know, they should be beating the likes of Wolves. And actually, if it wasn't for Leno and Goal, they would have lost yeah. that game. Wolves I mean, were fantastic that game. They were. But, you know, what that tells you is that he's made a really good signing. In Leno, so I think it's a, a work in progress, but it's getting there. I think this. I know I say it every week, David, and, and every week I'm wrong, but I think this could be the game of the weekend. I really do. Two just cavalier, not really that interested in defending kind of teams, and you notice that with corners with Eddie Howe. I always think that they put basically ten forward for corners, which I love. I think this could be a real goal fest. And also, their the players that have been away on international have done really well. Mm. So whether it's Ryan Fraser or Callum Wilson, you know they're coming back there in good form. Wilson will be. I don't know if you can you can tell me, David, when you first got called up to Ireland and if it went well and you come back, did, did you feel different? Did you, did you yeah. go into the yes, games more confident? Did it go well? Yeah, yeah uh, only a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but you did come back. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'd come back with a real spring in your step. Yeah. You really would, and you'd be buzzing. You'd be you'd be training, you know, d- uh, while, miles better than what you were previous to to when you went away. So yeah, I think they'll be, they will be they'll come out. I think in really good form, Bournemouth. Got to move on. Brighton against Leicester, three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Since losing against the Foxes in March, Brighton have lost just one of their last eight Premier League home games, winning their last two in a row. The Foxes have won three of their last five Premier League away games, better than their previous 11 in the competition. Uh, With Brighton, Clive, I know you cover a lot of Brighton, played for the club. When are we going to see Pascal Gross again? Every week it says this weekend he should be back. But it said that for the last six weekends, and it seems it keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Without him, they lack that creativity, don't they? I yeah, think they a lack worry. a class player in that midfield. Yeah, it's a, it's a certain worry. I mean, he's been the creative guy who's gone in there and just seems to make the goals for Brighton and, and makes the difference. And we talk about the big players around the, the Premier League, the Eden Hazards of this world, the Salahs, you know, these players make a difference. Um he certainly does, Pascal Gross, and I like the way, I like the way he goes about his business as well. But from Brighton's perspective, they've sort of maintained a position that that suggests that they are now possibly becoming an established side. They've got a group of players that seem to play to the same system. If you've got players out, nothing changes. They go through it monotonously, and I would think Chris Hewton just <laughs> trains trains the bits off of them, to be honest, because they are so methodical. <laughs> in the way they play, you know, and it doesn't matter who's playing. Uh, they've got one or two players as now, Iskierd has come back from injury, you know, that are, uh, are going to cause problems, you know, with pace, and they can always hit on the counter-attack. So they've got a style about them that, that I quite admire. They're not, obviously, the the biggest names in the Premier League, but they stick together as a group and, and essentially, at times, are difficult to break down. But then they have the difficulty scoring goals. Uh, on Leicester this weekend, David Connolly, uh, no Maguire, no Madison, the big issues for them. Daniel Marty, of course, out with that uh, long-term injury he's got, picked up in the West Ham game. Away from everything else that's happened at Leicester, one thing we can say is their away form has got a lot better. Why is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure why. Uh, you, it's always hard to put your finger on why they've been so good away from home in comparison to at home. I think they've had a big turnaround in terms of um, players coming in, players going out. They definitely have missed some of those players. Um, but I think that this is a game they'll fancy their chances. I know we've spoken about Brighton, but to me, they don't score enough goals. They've only really got to worry about Glenn Murray. And I think they'll have enough Leicester. I fancy them to nick something here. Uh, let's move on. Everton against Cardiff, three o'clock on Saturday. Everton got a big problem at the moment because Gilfie Sigurdsson, I think, has been their best player so far this season. I know Harry charlatan has got a lot of the headlines and we've spoken about him here. But likely to be missing because of that awful should have been sent off Jorginho tackle. And that's a big loss. Yeah, it is a big loss. He's a creator, he's a goal scorer. He, you know, when he's flourishing, he can be a real talented man. But I think Richarlison's the main man. Yeah. Scored a goal for Brazil again in the weekend. They're, they're, yeah, big, did he come on for Neymar in the big discussion in Brazil one? about whether he should be the number nine? Really? Yeah, yeah, whether he should be the man for, for the national team, which shows how far he's come in just two years since mm. being in English football against Cardiff. I wouldn't see there'd be too much of a problem. Good centre forward as well, Richarlison. I think he'd be a good good player in that role. Yeah, and obviously he's a converted centre forward, so he's got a lot of those those talent attributes. Well, they signed him; he was a winger, done really really well. But obviously now playing through the middle, um, and they've made some some signing. Yerry Mina did well, didn't he, on his debut? Um, and they're progressing well under under um, Silver. I yeah. think they're winning the ball much higher up. They seem to have a bit more intensity about their play. They might not be further ahead than Big Sam in terms of their league position, but in terms of their play on the pitch, they definitely are. Yeah, Gomez looks good in midfield as well. I think looks good. Player. And Bernard, he's been terrific, hasn't he? Yeah. But I, I agree. I think I think Everton are, are a work in progress. I 
think they're a team getting better. I think they're more enjoyable to watch now than perhaps they were six months ago. But, mm. you know, I think it's a game as well from Cardiff's perspective that I'm struggling to find a game that Cardiff really are going to win games. I mean, mm. to, to me, they are such an open side that they play the same style as they did from last season. As we know, that you can't do that to be, to be able to progress in the Premier League. And I, you feel for Cardiff the fact that the way they play hasn't changed mm. From the start of the season, so from the beginning of the season, the style hasn't changed for me. They and won, also, they won last time out, though. To be yeah. fair to Cardiff, they? yeah, they confident. did. Yeah. They did win, but Everton have got tough games coming up. Liverpool, I think they got they got City, um, Spurs. So I think this is one they'll be thinking, you Gotta know, win. Gotta win. Gotta win. Cardiff, not solid but ugly. The perfect combination of things. Let's move on. Wolves against Huddersfield. Four o'clock on Sunday. I mean, it's got home win written all over it. But Wolves winless in their last four. Should have beaten Arsenal. Didn't beat Arsenal. Maybe a bit like Chelsea in some ways, Clive, in that they haven't used enough players in that squad. Have they got enough players? Well, that'd be the big question. And I think as well, what we, what we seem to enjoy is a team that, like Wolves that do come up from the from the championship and play in the style that they play. They're, they're a pleasure to watch. I mean, some of the players that we've seen be so creative, Nevis and people like that, mm. so creative, um, just effective in front of God. They've got pace on the counter-attack. You know, they've got different styles of playing, but they seem to be, again, for me, slightly open. Like, when you come up from the championship, you have to close doors. You have to close that sort of central midfield area. And when you're you were a bit loose in that midfield area the back four get battered and I think that has been their problem whether they'll solve that as the season goes on whether they bring one or two additions in in the window we'll have to wait and see but they're a pleasure to watch Wolves and I really enjoy watching them And but against Huddersfield again similarly to Cardiff I'm struggling to see where their their style for me hasn't changed I think it needs to change and I think they're just going to be again a side that are going to struggle to score goals. Yep. They don't, they don't create enough. And I think against a rampant wall side, if they really get going in the early stages, could could score a few goals. Yeah, I think Huddersfield look they were close to making it back to back wins. Uh, they don't obviously score enough. I don't see them troubling Wolves, who have been excellent. I think their signings in the Championship are actually Premier League signings, and that's that's been the key. They've gone up and had, haven't really had to then spend that big again because a lot of their players could already cut it, and I think that's been the difference. I think Huddersfield, they did something really interesting against West Ham last time out and they got on the front foot really early, but also they put Pritchard basically up front. They put him so far forward, as far forward as I've seen him all season. He scored the goal, lucky as though it was, but that first half was the best 45 they've played all season. Got to do that against Wolves. Can't just try and defend against them because you will get beat. Uh, just finally, really briefly, we're a long way away from that. Burnley against Newcastle, Monday Night Football. Uh, I love this one. I don't normally do these stats because they really annoy me, but it's one about Monday Night Footballs. Uh, Newcastle's last 12 Premier League games played on a Monday have all been away from home. Uh, and bearing in mind, nothing is really near Newcastle, so it's somewhat cruel to their travelling fans who travel in numbers. They've lost 11 of those games, only winning at Stoke in that time. I mean, Newcastle away on a Monday, that's cruel, isn't it? You can't do it. You can't do it to them. And I think uh, they're going to lose against Burnley. And uh, I think that's um, it's going to be a shame because the, the last two games, they, they've been pretty good, haven't they, really? Yeah, it's not exactly a, a box office smash, this one, <laughs> is it, for, for the Monday night football lads? Mm. Um, but nevertheless, it's a big game for both teams, both on nine points. Both down there in the league, you know, you lose and some of those teams beneath you win, you're looking over your shoulder again. And it's Newcastle are only ever one defeat away from being yeah. a complete and utter catastrophe, yeah. aren't they? With the with the ownership situation, with the lack of investment. Rafa's always on the brink of resigning in the next few weeks if he doesn't get what he wants. So it's a big game, they've got to win it. I thought I think they've got some points on the board, Newcastle, in the last few games. So I think they fancy, you know, going to Burnley. I know they've 
got back a little bit of form. I think they've had that Europa League hangover as well. Um, yep. They've got over that hurdle now, uh, Burnley, but I just don't think they're... I, think, I fancy Newcastle here, I really do. Mm. And that'd be wouldn't, three wins in a row, I think, for wouldn't Newcastle. It be a surprise, be wouldn't it be a surprise if it's a draw? <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. I think Burnley have, have struggled for points. Yeah. I think um, maybe they're they're getting something back. We were waiting for Sean Dice to to get them going. They haven't really got going as we've seen them in no. the last season or season. But so I just think there's there's it's a grind for Sean Dice and his team. It's just like let's get through this. Let's get to forty points and and deal with it. And I think a point each for both teams will be sufficient. You mentioned that, Clive. Actually, that's interesting. At the 40-point mark, which is this, the fabled total that you've got to get to stay mm. up. I saw before the international break, I saw uh, somebody do a projection of the of the final point standings this season based on the current form that we've got. And it's could if it if it keeps going the way it is, with the top six, seven teams being so dominant and the the, the bottom being so bad, you might have you might be able to stay up on less than 30 points if it carries on the way it is. Has it happened before that someone stayed up in the 20s I'm in, not sure. in the Premier League in the 20 team? I wonder. I don't think it has. Someone, I mean, West Ham went down on 42, didn't they? 42, yeah. But no, it's only, it's only once in history that's happened. Thanks, yeah. mate, for bringing that up. <laughs> How many have they got now? <laughs> not enough, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, right, that's the end of this week's show. On a downer for me, at least. Thanks to David Connolly, Clive Walker. Uh, Dave, we look forward to finding out about your date this evening. Fingers crossed for you. Um, and we hopefully all getting invited to the wedding. That'd be great. Uh, we're back next week. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.